0: Last week Roxanne preached um, from chapter one of Second Samuel. Uh, this week I'm on chapter five. Uh, what happened in between in verses in chapters two to four? Essentially, there was a lot of wars. Wars between the house of David and the house of Saul. Uh, you'll remember that Saul uh, died. His his surviving son was called Ishbosheth. He took the throne of Israel, and David went off and took the throne of Judah. Um, so uh, so David was um, had already been anointed by Samuel 15 years ago. Uh, he's now the king of Judah, um, and it is in chapter 5 that he becomes king over all of Israel. So in this war between the two houses, uh, we see that David's house uh, grew stronger um, and Saul's grew weaker. Uh, a few characters um, who are named in the intervening chapters, I'll just run through them. Joab commanded David's army. He was his nephew, um, uh, and then uh, his um Where am I here? So, I'm in chapter two. Okay. Um, Then there's a couple of murders here or there. I won't go into detail. Um, And uh, um, it was quite messy. Um, And ended up... um, that Ishbosheth was killed um, and the people that killed him thought that they would, be, uh, they would receive glory and as they came to David, uh, they were expecting um, to kind of be congratulated for what they'd done and instead um, he had them put to death. Uh, so it's quite harsh, um, the stuff that is going on there um, and uh, a lot of war between the two different houses. And now we're at the point in chapter five where David is anointed king over Israel Uh, it's his third anointing as I've said Um, and as he becomes king the 12 tribes of Israel um, are unified under one king Um, Jerusalem was a great place to put a city Um, and we see that that's where um, where David goes and and has his city and he has this covenant so if you look with me at chapter 5 the tribes of Israel, it says all of them, all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, we are your own flesh and blood. Um, in the past, Saul was king over us and you were the one who led Israel on their campaigns. And the Lord said, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. And so they make this covenant with David. They effectively say, look, you've been there um, fighting and um, and, and, um You've been leading the campaign. Um, can you be the one to shepherd? And that word, the shepherd, is very unusual for us um, if we're here in Maple Ridge. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a sheep in Maple Ridge. And I know that somebody afterwards will tell me exactly where I can go and see one. But I haven't seen a sheep in Maple Ridge. Um, but but uh, the, the shepherds um, that you see in Israel, they're out in the fields. And they are, they're looking after um, uh, sheep in in. Desert-like lands, Um, when I think of sheep, I think of kind of the north of England with rolling green hills and and lambs running around the countryside. Uh, When I went to Israel and saw shepherds at work, it was hot, uh, not as hot as it was in Maple Ridge last weekend, uh, but it was hot there, Uh, they're there, they've got head coverings to try and keep them cool and they're out in relative wilderness um, with uh, looking after their sheep in the heat. Uh, So this image of the shepherd is seen as one who is steadfast, um, one who is loyal, one who who looks after. Um, And so David was to be the shepherd of God's people, Israel, and their ruler. So there's this covenant, this agreement, this contract between them uh, that he steps into. The anointing seems to happen quite fast. It happens especially fast because in the lectionary series that we follow in the Anglican Church, we miss out all those chapters with all the murders backwards and forwards that were going on there. Um, I mean, that's three sermons there we've kind of missed out. So it it does seem incredibly fast for us that this anointing happens. But isn't that how God works? I remember hearing uh, Tim Hughes who was speaking at a a, a worship conference. Tim Hughes is the... um, the vicar who leads a church called Gas Street Church in Birmingham you'll never have heard of, probably, but you've probably sung some of his songs because before he was doing that, he was uh, writing and uh, singing a lot of worship songs, songs like, Here I am to worship, that one. Um, I think I've sung too much this morning, my voice is going, um, which is a good sign. So, So Tim Hughes said, God works slowly and suddenly. God works slowly and suddenly. Maybe that's what you feel of Bonnie Henry too at the moment, that she works, t- she works slowly and suddenly. You know, there was this talk of at some point... The light is coming at the end of the tunnel. Things are going to open up. And constantly there was this this looking forward and this hope to when restrictions could be relaxed, uh, when people could do things again. Um, I've been double vaccinated myself, so I was on the SkyTrain on, uh, on July the 1st, and I didn't wear a mask um, because they, it had gone from being uh, the law to um, a recommendation for those who weren't double vaccinated at least two weeks ago. So... Um, so uh, I, um, it felt very strange. It felt very strange. Got some funny looks from people. Um, and I thought uh, that was, it was just an interesting experience. Um, and some of you might have found that too as you go to places and we're trying to work out. All of a sudden, everything has changed. We'd been talking about it changing for ages. And all of a sudden, things have changed. And we're out of our comfort zone. We don't quite know what to do. And so... Just one example that I think many of us are going through in different ways at this time. But that's how God is, too. Uh, He he gets us to wait. I said I'm not very good at standing still, and that's where the podium is helpful. Um, But I'm not very good at being patient. Some people are absolute saints. You probably know some of them. Um, Generally, women are better at this than men. Um, I know I'm not supposed to generalize, but... In my experience, that typically is the case, that um, they can be very good. I think of of grandparents I have who who would sit and pray. You know, they tell you they're praying for you, and you know they actually are. And they sit there, and they pray, and light their candles, and have long prayer times. I can't sit still. I mean, for me, if I'm praying, um, I normally need a guitar, and then I can get into it. But I'm not very good at sitting still for a long time. You know... How can we have the same kind of patience that David had? Fifteen years he spent having been anointed by by Samuel in private and, and said on this trajectory that he would be king, but not being king yet. Imagine. And what did he do in that time? He was faithful. He was faithful to Saul. He was faithful to do his work. He didn't sit still, but he was faithful. And so, often that's how it is for us. Things can take time. And then all of a sudden, they happen. All of a sudden, July the 1st comes along. Restrictions are relaxed. All of a sudden, verse 1 of chapter 5, all the tribes of Israel are coming to David and saying, you know what? We think you should be our king. Imagine that. Now, how old was he? Uh, It says in verse 4, he was 30, which apparently is a good age to become a king. Um, The the thinking behind that is that once you're 30, um, you are wise enough to take on the extra responsibility um, that that brings. Um, And uh, probably many of us would agree that by the time someone's 30, they've kind of lived enough, that they've kind of experienced enough of the world. Um, But... uh, I was ordained when I was 30, um, which was 10 years ago this weekend. Um, don't know up clap at once. Um, and uh, um, but 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 actually, in the Anglican Church, being uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's just too slow. <laughs> I'll just I'll just quit there. Um, thank you. Uh, but um, in the Anglican Church, being 30, there, there is that thing of you know you're too young. You're too young, which is the most bizarre thing. I mustn't go too far down this rabbit hole, but I'll go down there briefly. Um, The church says it wants young people in leadership. And yet, when young people come into leadership, um, I remember going into somewhere else, a parish, and somebody saying to me, are you gonna be the new youth worker? And I said no. Um, And there was this expectation that that's what I was gonna be doing. Um, and yet we see David becomes king over Israel, age 30. Um, of course, people didn't live quite as long at this point in time. And how long was he king for? 40 years. 40 years was a typical amount of time that someone would be king for. That was a typical reign. Um, and uh, and then we get the detail. For those of you that like maths and statistics, you can turn the page and um, and look at the rest of verse 5, and it says he was over Judah for seven years and six months, and then in Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 years. The Tyndale uh, commentary says there's a long patient wait for God's time. I love that. There's a long patient wait for God's time. I want to encourage you if you feel you're waiting um, That that's what we see in David, and and that's what many of us experience in life. We have this long, patient wait for God's time. And for those of us who struggle with patience because we want everything now, it is hard to wait for God's time. And yet, we we have to trust um, in God's time. So he's 30, he becomes uh, the king, and um, he goes to Jerusalem. Uh, The lectionary cuts out the bit where David goes into Jerusalem uh, for some reason, um, probably because he slays some people and they thought that should be cut out. But anyway, that's what he does. He goes in and he takes over Jerusalem. What a great place to build a city. Why is it a great place to build a city? Verses 9 and 10, because it is a no man's land. It is not on tribal territory of any of the tribes. So he is, he is the king of all the 12 tribes of Israel and he plants himself in Jerusalem, which is a fortress city. So it's, it's on a hill, it's high up, it can be protected, they can see around. Um, the, the land is fairly flat over there. It's not as mountainous as it is um, if you look across the street behind me when you leave the church. Um, so, um, and the other thing that Jerusalem has to offer is it has water, it has water. And it's hot there, as I say, not as hot there as it was in Maple Ridge last weekend. Um, but the temperature in Jerusalem is hot. In Israel, the temperature is hot. Uh, and so water is really important. Water is important because it sustains life. Life for the people to drink, and, and life for the animals and the crops, and so on. So, so what a great place to build a city. Um, it's a, it's a, to be. It's a place uh, that is not part of tribal land. He could provide unity by being in what is a literal middle ground. In the Anglican church, we talk about finding a middle way a middle way between Catholicism and Protestantism, a middle way over all sorts of things. And so we end up being a church that around the world as Anglicans has all sorts of different views on all sorts of different things, and somehow we are in communion with each other. And there is something about uh, finding that middle ground, uh, which can be hard. We see in King David, he found a literal middle ground in which to be. And it says in verse 10, God was with him. He became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. We know and we've seen time and again, And we see time and again when we turn our news on these days that human power has the potential to corrupt if it is left unchecked. The King David became more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. Because he was faithful and he listened to God. Human power left to its own devices will corrupt and go wrong time and again. But if we truly rely on God, if we truly uh, live lives as Jesus would have us live them, if we are open to and filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit, then we will walk the narrow and the right path to walk. It's a challenge as we see um, in the news what's going on uh, with um the discoveries of graves in residential schools with churches around. And some people might be feeling, I- I'm not sure I want to be part of a church. I've told you before, I'm sure, um, and, and you get to laugh at this. Um, I'm just gonna say that now so that it's not as slow as the clap, but my, my best dad joke that I have about church um, is that when people say, I don't like the church because I don't like organized religion, and I say, we're not that organized, Thanks for the laugh. Um, <clears throat> uh, we, we do our best. Um, but, but there is, there is something in, in some of us that we say, well, I want to know Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be in relationship with, with God as my Heavenly Father. I want to be filled with the Spirit, but I'm not sure I want the church. I've wrestled with this for years myself. Um, I've been told that I'm not a typical Anglican. Maybe that's why at the one church I was at, somebody thought I should be a youth worker and not one of the clergy. But you know, I think that the church needs us. The church needs you and me in this season. It needs us to lean into scripture. It needs us to take the Bibles off the shelf and, and read them and understand history. It needs us to learn from King David of what patience and faithfulness looks like. It needs us, as we'll do in a few weeks, to learn from the mistakes that we see in in some of those people. The church needs us to learn how to live like Jesus. I used to have one of those wristbands. Anyone else have one of those in the past? What would Jesus do? Or there's another one, a frog which stands for forever rely on God. Uh, Some people had that one too. What would Jesus do? You know, when we ask that question, what would Jesus do, and we stop and listen for the answer, then we will be walking in Jesus' way. And in all this, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I've got... I've got the Holy Spirit in me because I'm a Christian, Uh, why do I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And Charles Spurgeon, who was a Baptist preacher in the 19th century, um, he famously responded to somebody who said to him, you know, why do you keep on talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit again and again? And he said to her, uh, to, to the woman, it's because I leak. It's because I leak. And I'll be honest and say I'm the same. I leak. And so, when I pray for the Holy Spirit to come, um, as I do at some point in every service, whether it be a short prayer like, Come, Holy Spirit, which is the ancient prayer of the church, or a longer prayer, we're praying for the Spirit to fill us because we need, we need more of God in our lives. I want to be part of a church, and I want to lead a church where. We rely on God, as we see David doing here, where we rely on God, where we know and follow Jesus actively in our lives and where we can be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can go out to make a difference in the world. Unlike David, I'm fairly confident in saying none of us is going to be a king. Fairly confident in saying that, but like David, we can rely on God. As Christians living in the light of Jesus, we can walk in the way of Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. We can go into the world with a gospel, a message of good news, of peace, of joy.